Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Saturday. It's the 27th of October, 2012. Before we jump into the show, let's go ahead and get our contact info out of the way. You can contact the show several different ways. I have a voicemail, which is 206-745-2731. Or you can go to the website, which is firearmscafe.com. And on the right-hand side of the page is a Send Voicemail tab. If you click on that, it'll let you record up to a 10-minute message uh, to send to me using your computer's microphone. And uh, staying in kind of in the audio realm, you can also record an MP3 or a WAV file, and you can email that to me. If you don't feel comfortable doing audio for the show, but you'd still like to have a comment or a suggestion, please feel free to contact me via email, and I can read out your comments on the next show. The address for both audio and email content is firearmscafe at gmail.com. That's going to be all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. As far as social media goes, I do have a Facebook listener page, which is Firearms Cafe. I also have a Twitter account, which is Armed Ape, and that's going to be all one word, and it would be capital A-R-M-E-D, capital A-P-E, and uh, you can follow me over there on Twitter if you'd like. Uh, I also have a sub-forum over at the Gun Rights Radio Network forums, which is, of course, Firearms Cafe there as well. Uh, speaking of the forums, we do have one bit of feedback from uh, from there, and that is from New York Newbie, and he writes in, this is regarding your show, number 77, and your comment about hate crimes. I've never understood this legal distinction. I mean, most crimes are hate crimes, aren't they? A person would have to at least dislike or disregard the personal rights of the victim in order to commit a crime against them. Does the reason a crime is committed alter the fact that it was committed or absolve a criminal of their responsibility? A murdered person is still dead, whether it's because of his skin color or what car they drove or whether they walked in on a burglary. Most people don't commit violent crimes against people they like. They hurt, maim, rob, and kill people they hate or just don't care about. Okay, a crime such as speeding isn't usually done out of malice, but there are a few examples of these types. But in my mind, every mugging, burglary, rape, murder, kidnapping, and arson is a hate crime. And to the families of the victims, they are most certainly hate crimes. And that was the end of New York Newbie's comments over at the forums. And on show 77, what I was talking about, I guess kind of in a broader sense, was the fact that we tend to, instead of concentrate on human rights, we tend to concentrate on, I'm not even going to name them specifically, we'll just call them A and B rights, let's say. But what happens is, once you start saying, well, A gets more... uh, fundamental privilege than group B, eventually you're going to have resentment. And eventually you'll have resentment from both groups. And you would say, well, why would A have resentment? Because they're getting specialized or preferential treatment. Well, because eventually, you, and you could understand that B would, because B is saying, hey, I'm left out and, and I didn't, I never did anything. Maybe something was done to group A by group B in the past, but that was before I was even born. So why should I suffer from that? So you could see that, okay, this this person over in group B would have a legitimate uh, uh, grievance. And then you could also say that eventually the people in group A would say, well, you know, I've made it on my own. I don't necessarily need these special privileges or special things uh, 
to help me out. And ultimately, no matter what the good intention, eventually what you're saying is group A is somehow lesser than group B, whether that's through social or economic or, or, or whatever causes are going on. Uh, and there does need to be something to address that, but I don't know if it's if it needs to go to the extent that we have done that in this country. And so that was some of the stuff that I was making on that. But I did want to say, uh, again, thank you very much for sending that in and commenting and participating in the show. I always uh, get a big kick out of any type of um, uh, comments or any type of participation from you guys. I love getting feedback. It's always a... Uh, uh, a big pick-me-up for me, and it lets me know that I'm doing something that at least some of you guys are interested in. All right, let's go ahead, and since that was our only bit of feedback for the show today, I want to go ahead and talk a little bit about my experiences at the MAG40 class. Now, it's been about a month since I did the class, and I did it through, uh, I guess you could say, through the gun dudes um, up in Utah, at Salt Lake City. I went and attended up there. And it was a fantastic, fantastic class. I'm not going to go into so much of the nitty-gritty or the, or, or, or the details of what we actually learned. I'm going to kind of keep it in a general sense. Um, there's other podcasts have kind of gone and done that as well, uh, have gone more into the details about it. Uh, but before we get into the class, I want to talk about the people that I met there, uh, especially the gun dudes guy, you know, which are Carl and Travis and Tommy and and Stan and sometimes Steve, I guess we got to throw him in there. Um, what a a great bunch of guys! Um, these are are some men that when you meet them, you feel like you've known them for a long time. Um, they were very kind and very generous to me. Uh, I got to spend some time with them. I wish I could have spent more, uh, but again, what a, a great bunch of guys, and um, you really get the feeling that if I needed any help, uh, if, if I was in need of something, that they would uh, genuinely offer their, their hand and friendship and help, and so uh, I just wanted to send a shout out to those guys. I know in the past we've gone back and forth where we tease each other, and that's always fun. It's a lot of work, too, but it's also a lot of fun, but they are all uh, genuinely good men, good family men, uh, have good values, uh, and just genuine people. So uh, I was really glad that I got to meet them. I also met some other people that I wish I could have got to know a little bit better. I met uh, Zach from Lone Wolf Distributing, and also he does his uh, podcast, Gun Guy Radio with Jacob, and uh, which I've been listening to recently, and I en- enjoy it quite a bit. I also enjoy their kind of... Uh, uh, fit to fat journey that they're doing and I'm getting caught up on those so I'm not all the way up yet uh, I'm about probably maybe five or six podcasts down uh, but very interesting and, and if you're not if you guys aren't listening to either gun dudes or to um, uh, maybe Jacob and uh, Zach's podcast go ahead and uh, give them a listen they're fun and informative uh, also got to meet, of course, uh, he was, since he was the instructor, I got to meet uh, Masada Yub and got to meet Gail as well, Pepin, and they have the Pro Arms podcast, uh, which, and I, I've talked about their podcast before and, and who the other members that they have, and you really get a wealth of experience and information, and 
stuff that's the genuine article when you're listening to those guys. Uh, but the same thing, you know, I got to, uh, at the last night I got to have dinner with them and I got to sit next to, uh, down at the end of the table with Gail and, and with Mass and uh, with Tommy and his wife and uh, just had a lot of fun. Really, uh, like I said, good, genuine people, um, people that you are lucky to count as, as your acquaintance. Uh, I'd like to be able to count them one day as, as uh, good friends of mine. Uh, but anyway, let's go ahead and, oh, one more thing. I also got to meet, uh, some of you guys are going to be familiar with George Hill. Uh, and again, he's one of those guys that uh, uh, when I met him, real laid back, and that's the kind of guy I am as well. Good sense of humor. Uh, but again, when you when you talk with him, um, you get a feeling just uh, kind of that you've known him for a long time. At least that was my impression with him. And I kind of wish I could have got to spend some more time talking with, uh, with George and getting to know him a little bit better. All right, now, enough of that stuff. Um, let's go ahead and talk about some of the generalities of the class, and then I'll get down into what I think is the most important thing that you can take away from this class. Uh, so again, it's the MAG-40 class, and MAG stands for Masada Yub Group, and 40 designates the amount of hours that the class is. Uh, there were probably about, I'd say, 28 to 30 people in our class. We had a good group. Uh, everybody was kind and polite. Uh, and you're, and you're going to find that when you go to not, not just this class, but pretty much any type of firearms training you're in general going to find that you're going to get along with the majority of the people there. Uh, and that's because everybody is coming in from, at least in the broad general sense, they're coming from a very strong um, Second Amendment foundation. Uh, obviously, you're not going to be in there if you hate guns. So uh, if you if you understand that you have the right to keep and bear firearms, and not because the government says so, but because it's just a natural human right. You have a right to defend yourself uh, and to use whatever means necessary. Uh, in our case, if that means firearms, then that's so, so be it. Uh, but it would also mean you could uh, defend yourself with a baseball bat, a chair, a frying pan, your fists, your feet, uh, yeah, again, whatever. And you have that right, and that's not granted to the government, but the government is there to in theory, and this is a big theory, uh, is there to make sure that you your rights are not taken away uh, and that if, uh, either from uh, local government or just from the government in and of themselves, and that's what the Constitution is supposed to do. So anyway, I kind of got off, uh, off track there a little bit. But anyway, when you're in these classes, you're generally going to get along with the majority of the people there. Uh, as far as what you what you'll learn in the class and why this class is so important, you do learn uh, some some fundamentals of shooting, fundamentals of stance. Uh, so you'll learn about the weaver and isosceles. You'll also learn about one that really isn't talked about much, which is the Chapman, um, which is a, a stance that I actually probably did the best. I thought that I would maybe do better in a weaver stance, but it turned out I'd do much better in a Chapman. And that's when you've got your shooting arm is basically locked out, your head is kind of down, and your uh, support hand is coming up 
up and over and kind of under the gun and, and kind of helps pull back a little bit. And so that really helps mitigate recoil. For me, what I found that that stance did was it, it what they call vulturing or it forces your head sort of down, not like all the way down where you're looking at your, at your shoes, but it, it, it forces your, your head to kind of come forward and down into that arm on the bicep basically that's locked out, which helps to kind of steady you up and, uh, at least in my case, it gave me a better sight picture. So you'll learn about those. You'll learn about um, what's nice about having somebody like like Mass doing that is that you learn about the physiological responses that your body can go through. You'll also learn about uh, the fundamentals of of uh, of the actual stances, where to put your feet, things like that. And you learn about stress factors. What happens when you're stressed? Um, uh, you have sympathetic responses, meaning that if one hand is kind of squeezing, sometimes the other hand wants to do that as well. Uh, you learn about how some you, you can get auditory exclusion. You can lose a little bit of your peripheral vision. Uh, and these are all things that can be, uh, since they're known, they can be factored into your training and you can work through and with them, that type of stuff. Now, as far as could you get that portion from another class. And sure, I mean, from another instructor, of course you could. What I'm going to talk about now is the things that you can't get from another class. And that is a lot of the legal issues. So when are you justified to shoot and why would you be justified to shoot uh, if you were ever in a, a lethal force situation? The... Um, the other part of that too, and, and, a, and, a, and this is a big portion of the class, and this is, again, you know, some people may ask, well, can I listen to your show or can I listen to other podcasts and other uh, television shows, uh, things like Best Defense or, or Personal Defense TV or some of the other things, and can I get some of this stuff? You can get some of it. You can get basically a thimbleful of knowledge from that, but what you need is a big giant mug of that knowledge and you're not you just can't get that from online content or stuff that you can uh, that you can find on television you can't get the depth of the legal ramifications of what's going through so one thing that and this is a little bit of a specific but one th one thing is that you have to be able to show to the people who are going to be judging you so the jury you have to be able to show that what you did was justifiable and that you knew these things prior uh, to the incident occurring. So you have to be able to make those people understand that you, that your lawyer wasn't just telling you, oh, say this stuff when you get into court, but that you can actually document um, when you learned this stuff, how you knew it, what training you had. And there's a there's a big section of the class that deals with that, and um, uh, which which they call uh, the terminology he was using. You have to be able to articulate, meaning you have to be able to uh, explain to them in a way that they can understand that what you did was right. And then you have to be able to authenticate your training. You have to be able to also then show I knew this training and I understood what was required of me and what could happen prior to this incident happening. 
Uh, and so that what I did wasn't a mistake and wasn't an accident and I wasn't, you know, I didn't do it out of fear. I did it because I knew what I was doing was the right thing to do at that time. Otherwise, I was going to be killed or suffer, you know, grievous bodily harm or uh, another person, whether that is your family or uh, a person you saw on the street who was getting, you know, beaten to death with a shovel. And then there, there, and, and that is expanded upon exponentially in the class. And it covers everything from what's going to happen in the courtroom uh, to what happens to you as far as stress wise and how you're going to feel after that type of a lethal force incident has happened that you've been involved in. Uh, and you, you just, I don't know of any. I don't know of any other training or any other trainers that are doing that to the degree that you can get in the MAG-40 class. Now, let me take a little brief aside here. You can do just the uh, the legal or the classroom portion, we'll say, which is a MAG-20 class, and that's less money. Um, so that if, and, and if you could only do one, let's say that you only had uh, at, at the time, you could only afford to do maybe that MAG-20 class. There's a, a shooting portion of a MAG-20, and then there is the legal portion of the MAG-20. And what I would suggest that somebody do, if you only had the money to do one, would to be to do the legal portion of it. Because you're, that is what's going to equip you long-term to, to be able to survive the shooting incident, even if you were the person left standing. Uh, another thing about the the level of instruction, again, I don't know of anybody other than Mossad that is doing this type of, uh, of thing. There may be others out there that talk about it, but, and this is the important difference, and this is why, if you can, to take the class from him. We'll, we'll kind of use a, a sports reference or analogy here. Taking the class from Mossad, especially about the legal stuff, is like you going out and getting to spend 20 hours with Tiger Woods and he's going to help you with your golf game or it's going out and getting to spend 20 hours with Michael Jordan and he's going to give you like a little um, a mini basketball camp um, in effect what you're doing is you're getting that training from the people who are and have been acknowledged by others in their field as being the best in that field the thing with, with Masada Ayubagin uh, is that there probably are some other trainers out there who could talk to you about, oh, this is what happened in court or these were these cases. But when you're taking a class from Mass, what you're, doing, what you're getting is you're getting a person who has actually sat in that courtroom and has actually participated in those cases and who has seen how how it operates and has seen what the playing field is. Uh, I, I've talked on, on previous shows that I had a lot of experience in court as a probation officer. I was in court thousands, literally thousands and thousands of times. And each time that I was in court, people were looking to me for information, which means many times I was getting uh, cross-examined uh, by one of the attorneys and sometimes I would be in the hot spot and sometimes I would be in the hot spot uh, not from the defense attorney but from 
the um, the county attorney or the prosecutor because I was I was wanting to recommend or do something that was contrary to what they wanted. And it doesn't matter really how many times you go in there, you always get nervous. And this isn't a thing where I, you know, I said I was in the hot seat, but realistically, I wasn't going to be locked up. My freedom was never in jeopardy. Um, so nobody was going to take my liberty away and put me in a cell somewhere. But you, even with that, you still get nervous. So imagine how you're going to feel when you're sitting in that courtroom and you are really in that hot spot. You're in the seat. And if it goes badly, you go away and you get put in a cage for many, many years. And that's why something like Massad's class, if you, if you went to one that was similar, I don't think you're going to get as much out of it if, as if you go and train with him. Now, kind of on a little bit of another aside, nobody lives forever. Uh, bad things happen to good people. Uh, oh, so he may decide... You know what? I'm only going to be able to to do this for the next four or five years, or maybe he, you know, uh, decides that I can only do maybe two classes a year, as opposed to to being able to do ten or fifteen or however many they do in that year. Maybe uh, it comes down to where he suffers a, uh, a physical injury or has some medical condition that really limits the amount of time that he can actually put out and remain in decent health. Uh, and like I said, nobody lives forever. Nobody keeps doing the thing, same thing forever. Uh, so I would say make the best of the opportunity that you have now to, to take the class. And again, if all you can afford to do is the MAG-20 class where it is the, the legal issues, I would say go ahead and do that because, you can again, you can find other classes. There's many, many, many other classes that are out there that are going to give you where you can learn the fundamentals of shooting, where you can be high speed, low drag, all that, you know, ninja stuff. Um, there's tons of those out there. I don't know of any other class that where you're going to get the uh, the experience of the instructor that you're going to be able to get from, uh, uh, from the MAG-40 class. All right, so that's kind of enough of, of that. Uh, again, as you can tell, I think it's very worthwhile. Uh, I think it's a good investment for you to make. So in, in talking a little bit about the, the you know that the, the legal aspects of it of of a shooting you know most people think that they know they they know the playing field that they're on and they think that they know a lot about the the legalities of what can happen in a, a lethal force uh, incident but the reality is, and they think that they know the rules, and they think that if they're ever in the, involved in something like that, they think they know what, what they need to do. But the reality is, is most people that are in the gun culture are suited up to play football. And when this stuff goes down, they find that they're in a swimming pool and they need to swim for 20 miles. Well, they haven't trained for that. They're not prepared for that. And in fact, all the equipment that they had to play football is now a detriment to them. And they don't even know that. A lot of people, even when they jump in that pool, think, well, I'll keep the pads and the helmet and these heavy shoes on even though they're filling up with water uh, because I, th I think this is what I've been trained for and eventually it's going to help me. And what you find is that, uh, uh, and, I, and I saw this even in my own experience, 
the, the lawyers can really cut your legs out from under you. Uh, so, uh, again, a lot of times, and I know many of us have friends that give you really bad advice or you'll hear stuff in the gun store that is just, it's, it's terrible advice when you hear it. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, let's sort of uh, jump topic here a little bit. And I want to talk a little bit about the upcoming election. You guys uh, from past shows and things that I've talked about, not only on this show, but on my other show, which is The Armed Ape. Uh, I am libertarian in my political beliefs. And I that's how I voted. And I, I told you guys prior that I was going to vote for uh, Gary Johnson, and that's who I voted for. In fact, if you go to the Facebook page of mine, which is Tony Brown, uh, you can see how I voted. I put a picture of, of the ballot up there. Uh, in in some people will say, oh, you might cost the election. Well, that's that's ridiculous. And I, I've talked about this a little bit before too, where the state that I live in is red. It's it's one of the reddest states that you can actually be in. Probably about the only one that would be considered more red, uh, if that's the proper term, would be uh, maybe something like Oklahoma. So that if I vote for a libertarian candidate, or heck, if I voted for Obama. I guess you could make the argument that your vote isn't isn't going to count because it's going to be counteracted because there's so many people in the state that are going to vote for the Republican candidate as opposed to the Democrat or the Libertarian one. And so some people would say, well, heck, if it doesn't matter and your state is going to go that way anyway... Why don't you just vote for Romney? Because in effect, that's who you're voting for. But again, I, 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 I talked about this before. I couldn't look. I, I just can't do that. I, I don't believe that Romney cares about, uh, we'll just say guns. I don't believe he cares about the Second Amendment. I don't believe he cares much about my freedom or my liberty or the Constitution. I don't believe he cares about any of that stuff any more than Obama does. I think you could make a uh, an argument, and it would be demonstrably so, where they're, these guys are basically the same on, on most things, uh, on economics, on, um, believe it or not, on uh, foreign policy, um, they both support the Patriot Act. They both support NDAA. They both support uh, basically um, sidestepping the Fourth Amendment. They both support a a large government that has its its hands in and fingers in all the pies. Um, but the guy that I voted for doesn't support that. The guy that I voted for thinks that there should be no assault weapons bans. There should be nothing like a Fast and Furious, that you cannot compromise on fundamental human rights. So when Romney in the thing was, was when I think it was the second debate, I only watched part of it and I got disgusted with it and turned it off. But when they were talking about the 
assault weapons ban, which is basically the the guns that I don't like the look of ban. Romney was basically in support of that. And he talked about how he came together with both sides and compromised and this and that. You cannot compromise on fundamental rights. And it's interesting, I, I'm hearing people now who are, are nationally syndicated people that are talking about, uh, oh, Romney's a good guy and he's this and he's that and he's, you know... Uh, he really does support. He's had a real change and this and that. And if you believe that, I mean, you're really being naive. I know some people say that how I vote is naive, but if you think that this guy that Romney has wouldn't sell us out and do a 180 if he thought that it would keep him in office politically, then you're fooling yourself. You're delusional. Um, I've talked about before that if the reason you were voting for him was that you were voting against Obama, I, you know, I can see that. If you're voting him because you think, again, long term, he would, if, if whoever he gets to appoint to the Supreme Court as a justice, that he would put people in there who at the very least would be neutral, probably on the Second Amendment, if not more pro. But he's definitely going to put more conservative people in there, which means things like, and and people in our side, basically, it's funny, whatever side you're on, you kind of, and I'm guilty of it too, um, whatever side you're on, you kind of put your values and stuff on that candidate. You kind of tailor them to them instead of, uh, of looking at, this is what this person is actually talking about, and this is what their record actually shows. But a conservative person on the bench of the Supreme Court may mean that they may or may not be strong on the Second Amendment. Again, they may be neutral about it, or they may say, eh, yeah, you know, it's, a, it's an individual right, and, and we're not going to do anything to, to go after that, but we're not really going to pursue and, uh, and, and, and put things in place that really solidify the fact that the government cannot come in and infringe on on our right to keep and bear arms. What it probably means, long term really, is that companies like Monsanto, companies like Goldman Sachs, companies, uh, oh, what's the other one I'm thinking, J.P. Morgan, those things are going to have a little bit more protection down the road. I'm willing to take maybe kind of the good with the bad with that, um, I understand that. So I, I can even understand if you say, hey, I want to vote for Romney because he he will put more conservative people on the bench. He'll appoint them. And it, it generally goes through. Uh, whoever they appoint goes through. It's, it's almost a rubber stamp. Um, but again, don't kid yourself into thinking that this guy gives two hoots about any of us. He's shown himself that, uh, and it's the same with Obama, he's shown that he will do whatever and say whatever depending on who he's in front of. Uh, we all remember the, the speech where Obama was saying, I won't take your rifle away, I won't take your handgun away, I won't take your shotgun away. And that's just not true. What we see is that's exactly what he wants to do. You know, the guy supported gun bans and, uh, you know, since day one. 
but uh, kind of getting back to, to sort of my philosophy, who I voted for and why I voted for Gary Johnson, because I felt that he and Judge Gray, who's going to be his, his uh, vice presidential candidate, I felt that he best represented me and that he was the strongest on guns. He was the strongest on freedom, on liberty, and he was the strongest on reducing government and supporting the Constitution. Now, as you noticed in the debates, guess what? There was no Gary Johnson. And that's because the people, the committee that controls the debates are people from the Democratic Party and people, their former heads of the Democratic and Republican Party. So do you think they're going to let a third party in there? They're absolutely not. And for the people that say that, you know, if, if you vote for Gary Johnson in a swing state, that you're, you're going to maybe cost the election. But the reality is, a lot of the people that voted for Obama are not going to vote for him this time. They're not going to vote for Romney either. So the people that that voted uh, Republican in the last election, and some, let's say 5% of those people are going to vote for Gary Johnson. And then uh, the people that voted for Obama, probably another 5% or maybe even more, there's a lot of people who voted for Obama that are very, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not disillusioned. Well, they're that too, but they've had sort of the, uh, the curtain kind of lifted and they understand that this guy didn't do any of the stuff that he said he was going to do and that he's basically George Bush Jr. When you look at all the policies and all the things that he's enacted and done. And so a lot of those people have become disenfranchised maybe with him. And so you're probably going to say there's going to be maybe another 5% of that Obama base who voted for him last time that won't for him this time. So pretty much it's going to be, I think, uh, in my limited capacity here, I think that the, the percentage of that Johnson is going to bleed off, he'll bleed off equal percentages. And so in, in, it's going to maybe cancel each other out. So I don't think he's going to cost either one of these guys the election. And if you say, well, why didn't, why don't people who supported maybe Ron Paul now support Gary Johnson? Why wouldn't they support Mitt Romney? And that's because he, he, they, they clearly showed that they didn't want that support. And they clearly show, again, they don't he doesn't represent and he's made no, uh, no effort to represent me. Neither has Obama in any way, shape, or form. So again, I voted for the guy that I felt best represented me. Also, if I, I, I can't remember the percentage, I think if he gets 5% uh, of the vote uh, or the Libertarian Party does, um, so to speak, and if I'm wrong on this, you guys correct me. Um, I've just started to look into this, but I think if he gets something like 5%, so yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's 5%. And I think if... If he gets five percent of the of the vote, it basically will allow the Libertarian Party, from my understanding, to get um, equal ballot access and federal funding. So, in effect, what it will do is the next go around uh, in um, at the next presidential election, there, it's not going to be so easy to exclude them from debates. And that's another thing, you know, you think about. If Gary Johnson or, or, heck, even a Ron Paul had been on there, the debates would have been a lot 
different. And I, I'm kind of using Gary Johnson a lot because he's still in the race and he's a candidate. But had he been allowed to be in those debates, it would have been a much different answer you would have gotten on gun control. It would have been a much different answer you would have gotten, although they don't even think they even discussed it. Uh, there was only a brief mention of Fast and Furious. That would have been brought up. Uh, abuses uh, by the government with NDAA, with warrantless wiretapping, with the loss of privacy, with the trampling of the Fourth Amendment, those things would have been brought up and they haven't been. They would have brought up the fact that the only way we're going to get this get the deficit under control is we've got to reduce spending. All, all, all taxes are spending. If you're not spending anything, if the government had very spent very, very little, there wouldn't be a need for these huge, you know, trillions of dollars in taxes that are collected every year. So anyway, uh, that's kind of enough rambling on that stuff. I think I'm going to go ahead and uh, draw the show to a close. Uh, again, uh, like at the front of the show, I gave you all the contact info. I'd love to hear from you guys. Agree, disagree. Uh, send me some stuff in and I can play it out for you on the show. All right, everybody, uh, take care and I will talk to you next time. Let's get out and vote. Let's make our voices heard. We've been given the right to choose between a douche and a turd. It's democracy in action. Put your freedom to the test. A big fat turd or a stupid douche. Which do you like best? Oh, the devil has given him superhuman strength. Oh,